0: This week marks the third anniversary of me publishing the very first episode of this show. I catch a lot of flack for saying at the opening of this show that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. But that's a theme that has kind of followed me through life, and I've tried to embrace it. It seems like there's so many things that we have to, to try, and we know nothing about it you know but i'll try to dive into those things and i'll have to learn so many things that i didn't know ahead of time and most of the time i'll find out that i'm not very good at whatever that is so i just never mention it to people and i sometimes stop doing it sometimes i continue doing it quietly because i enjoy it you know and other times i just stop but other times you find out that you actually have a have a knack for something and that folks enjoyed it i took a huge leap of faith with this show and I think that when I uploaded my first episode, I was in a hotel in Sweden. I like to joke that I was confused, overwhelmed and unqualified. It's a situation fraught with possibility. But with that in mind, you know, maybe this would be a good opportunity for each of us to take up something new this week or this year that we might not be good at. But, you know, we might be really good at it. But the lesson is you never know till you try. I'm pretty happy that I tried, and I'm glad that I took a leap of faith and started this show. This is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. I get a lot of emails from from you folks asking if I would share some more personal stories, some more behind-the-scenes stuff about me. I should say up front that I'm a really private person, and I just don't share that much. But I'm looking for chances to share more, and this week just happens to be the eighth anniversary of when Amy and I left Indiana and moved into our home here in East Nashville. And I thought, man, this is a great opportunity for me to tell a story that I've never told before. We had a crazy move. It was pretty traumatic at the time and had a lot of things go wrong. You know, they're, like I said, they were traumatic at the time, but they're funny now to look back at it. So here's the story of how Amy and I left Indiana and moved to Tennessee. Our story should begin with me standing in the parking lot, late October at the Mercy Lounge, and BR549 is playing upstairs. I'm talking to Amy on the phone, and I just had a great week in Nashville. I'd been down quite a few times and made a lot of friends, but just had a great week. I played, I think the night before at the Station Inn, had a sold-out show. Everything was beautiful, had a great crowd. And, you know, I just got to see everything that was right about Nashville. The weather was beautiful because it's October. It's about 11 o'clock at night. I never, ever thought once about moving to Nashville. Never even wanted to leave Indiana. Never had any inkling to. But I said over the phone, you know, I can understand why people move here. We joke around the house. We're not really sure if that's the moment it clicked, but uh, I believe something clicked right there with Amy. And when I came home, you know, we talked about it. And she she never felt attached to Indiana in the same way that I did. I've always, you know, I'm an Indiana guy. I never wanted to leave. I always wanted to be there. never even thought about moving anywhere else. I was very happy. And the downside is I was probably a little bit too comfortable there also. You know, I made a living playing music. And, you know, life was good. But there were opportunities to be had elsewhere. And Amy wanted to try something else and you know we talked about it and we thought all right we'll we'll try moving we'll try moving to Nashville and we knew we wanted to move to East Nashville. The first problem was we owned a house there in Broad Ripple and the market just collapsed. Luckily we were still in a in a hot neighborhood where people liked, you know, to live there. So we couldn't afford to have two house payments at once. So we had to do a little bit of a trick by being able to sell our house and then immediately buy a house in East Nashville, you know, in the two weeks that it would take for us to get out of our house or the month, however long we could get. So we had a problem with that. We put our house up for sale. Just a couple of days into it, we had an offer and we ended up turning that offer down. And then it took us 10 more months to get a second offer. And we ended up selling the house for the same price that the original offer was for. So you can imagine what that felt like after 10 months. But during those 10 months, you know, I would drive down and I would just look around the neighborhood at houses for sale. And the market was still a lot stronger here in East Nashville. It was much stronger than it was in Broad Ripple there in Indiana. So houses just weren't available for very long. So it was a little bit of a hard trick to do, but We ended up closing on our house. Amy and I drove down here, looked at a bunch of houses, and we found one on top of a hill that uh, we both liked. Amy loved it, and I learned a long time ago, if mama loves it, everybody loves it. So we ended up deciding we would buy that house. We sold our house in Indiana, and we found a house that we loved here in East Nashville. And we'd arranged... On the day that we were supposed to be out of our house in Indianapolis, we arranged to where our realtor in Nashville would close on our house in Nashville. We wouldn't have to be there, but we would have to move out by midnight on Saturday night. So on Friday night, we're loading up everything. Amy was great. She worked so hard to get everything boxed up and all of that. She was just great. She's so good with being thorough about that kind of stuff. And We had a couple friends come over, my cousin Jesse, uh, Amy's brother Tracy, and my buddy Stuart came over and helped us move up this 26-foot box truck. and We're moving everything that we had into it. On Saturday morning, as we're loading everything up, trying to head down to Nashville, I get a call from our realtor, and he tells me they're not able to close on the house in Nashville on that day, because there was some kind of a problem with our our loan or our our mortgage. And to this day, I haven't the slightest idea what was going on. But I said, well, you need to get back with me. Sort this out. It's your job. Sort it out. And I'm standing in the truck with all of our belongings being loaded in, and we have to be out of our house by midnight. We get everything loaded up, and he calls me back, and he says, we're not going to be able to to close on this, but we'll be able to close Monday, no problem. And, you know, I'm like, man, if this is a problem, you know, you need to tell me right now. And he's like, no, it'll be no problem. So we get everything loaded up. Then he calls back and he says, actually, there will be a problem. Monday is Columbus Day. Another reason that I can't stand that damn Christopher Columbus. (laughs) Monday was Columbus Day and the banks are closed. So we won't be able to close the, on the house until Tuesday. So it's Saturday and we're pulling out of the driveway heading down to Nashville and we have nowhere to live. There was this moment that I'll never forget but we had everything moved out of our house and I went to do one last look through and to grab the cats and I couldn't find the cats anywhere. The house is empty. I go down into the basement and there was a couch that the new homeowner said that they would like to keep, and we didn't want to move it, so we gave it to them. And the two cats, you know, baby and McKenzie, were down there sitting on that couch, or their entire universe. You know they never go outside. We never let our cats outside. I do everything I can to protect them. Their entire universe had just been turned upside down, and they were down there clinging to the one thing that was still in place. I remember just sitting there and, you know, thinking it made me feel really, really lonesome. But I picked them both up and we headed out the door and said goodbye to our house for the last time. and Started on down to Nashville. Amy's brother, Tracy, and my cousin, Jesse, came with us. And we had a few different vehicles heading south to Nashville. So we got to southern Indiana and our station wagon broke down. So it's sitting on... the edge of 65, and we have no way to move it. So we're sitting there thinking, you know, what do we do? How do we get this taken care of? So a couple of us go into Louisville, and we rent a trailer that will fit on the back of this 26-foot box truck that will pull the station wagon. So it takes hours, but we get all of that sorted out, and we head down towards Nashville. Got a 26-foot truck pulling a station wagon and we're all heading down. We look like the Jodes heading out to California. And at this point, I was completely convinced that the universe was conspiring to keep us from leaving Indiana. The drive from Indianapolis to Nashville takes four and a half hours. We'd left Indianapolis at two in the afternoon on that that Saturday, and we got into Nashville past midnight. So it took well over 10 hours to get down there. And as you can imagine, we were all very, very tired and worn out at that point. We'd arranged where we'd stay at a buddy's apartment who was out of town. And we'd be able to park the truck there. He had somewhere to park. But when we showed up, you know, it was late at night. And since he was out of town, for somehow we didn't have, we needed two keys and we only had one, I believe was the deal. But we couldn't get into the apartment. So we're thinking, what do we do? What do we do? So I got a hotel and I put Amy, I put her dog and, uh, Jesse and Tracy in the hotel, but there was nowhere to park this truck where it'd be safe. You know, it's a big truck. It's a 26 foot truck pulling a station wagon. And, uh, I just decided I would take it down to the truck stop downtown Nashville and I'd park it there and I would sleep and I would have the cats with me. So I parked it down there. And my very first night as a Nashville resident, I slept in the cab of this 26-foot truck with a litter box in the floorboard and two cats crawling over me all night. And I woke up like once every 20 minutes with crackheads and prostitutes knocking on the windows. You know, it was a rough night. It was difficult. But it felt good to be wanted in Nashville. So the next morning, I wake up to somebody really knocking on the window, really raising hell. And I'm like, what the heck is this? And I raise up in the seat, and the cats jump off of me. And I roll down the window, and there's the guy that works at the truck stop. He's like, you got to get this thing out of here. I said, I'm sorry, man. I was just kind of parking for a little bit. And he, no, you got to get out of here. The truck stop sits right next to the football stadium. And they had a Titans game. It was Sunday morning. I didn't even think about it, but it's Sunday morning and there's a Titans game. And they use that parking lot for parking where they charge $20 a piece to people to park in that truck stop parking lot. And I'm there taking up about 10 spaces with this 26 foot box truck pulling a station wagon. And I'm thinking, okay, I'll get out of here. That's cool, man. I said, just give me a second. I want to go inside and use the restroom and I'll get out of here. And I was doing everything I could to stall this guy. I needed to get in touch with Amy and tell her, you know, come on back, you know, because we can't be separated. She wouldn't know where I was because she didn't have a cell phone. None of them had cell phones. Amy, you know, to this day hates cell phones, but I had no way to get in touch with her. So I just had to kill time until she showed up. I wasted about an hour of this guy yelling at me and yelling at me. And I'm doing everything I can to stall this guy. but He's just getting more and more mad. And I feel bad because I'm completely in the wrong. But I'm just trying to stall him. And finally, I start driving in circles around the outside of this parking lot. And uh, after, you know, an hour, probably a lot more than that, I finally see Amy pull up. And we get together and I said, I need to get out of here because it's a Titans game. Let's go somewhere and make a plan. At that point, Jesse and Tracy took off and headed back to Indianapolis and they were lifesavers, you know, love you guys. Thank you so much for helping out and do you know, will never forget it. It's great. I get to mention you guys here on this show, but Amy and I get together and we, you know, what do we do now? And our buddy Scott, who we were going to stay at his apartment to begin with, he comes back into town that afternoon. But the problem is we can bring the dog there, but we can't bring the cats. And I respect that and understand that. So we're thinking, what do we do with the cats? We have no nothing to do with the cats. And, uh, you know, and they're our family. We're, you know, we love them. And we're thinking, what could we possibly do? And I, you know, I'm not the kind of guy that likes the idea of boarding animals. But we didn't have any other choice. So we got out the phone book. Remember the phone book? We got out the phone book and uh, looked for somewhere where we could, you know, some kennel or something. And we found one. And on the way over there, one of our cat's baby just pees all over everything. And this is completely stressful for these cats. They hated every moment of being in the vehicles, you know, just being in the cars and trucks and all that. They hated it. And she finally had enough, and she just peed all over everything. And she had a, she's a long-haired cat and had this piss matted in her fur, stuck horribly. we <laughs> inside a car. And Amy starts to, you know, she's just about ready to cry, you know, and start losing it. And I said, Amy, we're in the middle of this fight. You know, we can't cry yet. And I'm not a crier. I don't, I just never have been a crier. You know, I'm, I'm very mellow and things don't affect me like that. You know, but I'm like, got to be tough. You know, we're fighting and there'll be a moment when we can just let it loose. This is not the moment. And she was strong and kept it together. But we go over to, to this kennel. And we walk in, and we got a cat. We're carrying, you know, the cats, and the one's just got piss all over. And the people said, uh, you can clean the cat up over there." So Amy goes over, and she's washing a cat, which you can imagine what that's like. The cat's even more mad and stressed out because it's got water all over it. We finally get that sorted, and we go to check them into this kennel, and they start asking us about shots, and our cats were all up to date on shots for Indiana, but Tennessee required one more shot than Indiana did that we didn't even know existed. They wouldn't allow us to keep our cats there because, you know, they legally couldn't. And we're like, Oh my God, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? We're sitting there and this girl that worked there could just see the desperation in our faces of not knowing what to do because we, you know, we couldn't settle on our house until Tuesday and here it is, you know, Sunday afternoon. And she followed us outside and she says, I'll tell you what, you guys seem like good people. I live just right here. I'll keep your cats for you for, for two days if you need somebody to do it. And we were like, oh, God, keep, having a stranger keep our cats, I don't know. It felt really weird. But we went over to her house, you know, and we knew where she lived and, you know, she, we knew where she worked. We're like, all right. So we paid her some money to to house the cats And we went over and we stayed at our buddy's house for the next two days and just stressed out, worrying about when we can get into our house and when we can get our family back in one place. The Tuesday morning, you know, we wake up and we're supposed to go close on the house. And the girl who was nice enough to, to watch our cats told us that we could come get them after we'd closed on the house but she called us ahead of time and said, I have a family emergency. Would it be possible for you to come get your cats before? We're like, that's no problem at all. You know, we're kind of in a hurry to get down to Franklin right now, but we'll come over right now. And we drive over there. And when we get there, everything seems strange and in shambles. And uh, she's all stressed out. And she says, uh, I don't know where. One of your cats are, and I'm like, oh my God, what are you talking about? She says, I don't know where the cat is. I said, where's the other cat? She said, the cat's, the other one's in my kitchen cabinet. So we go into the kitchen and there's baby in the kitchen cabinet, just sitting there. And we're like, what in the hell? And she says, she says, I have a hole in my bathroom wall and your other cat has climbed into that wall sometime last night. And I haven't seen her since. And I'm thinking, oh my God. So I go into the bathroom and I lay down on the ground, looking through this hole that was by the tub. I'm laying on some stranger's bathroom floor, calling for a cat. And we're supposed to close on our house in 45 minutes down in Franklin. And I'm just thinking, oh my God, what the hell? And I'm like, hey, but come on, McKenzie, come on, I'm calling her. And I could hear her meowing and I stick my hand back through this this wall and I'm calling for, her, and I'm calling for, her, and, you know, I can hear it getting a little bit louder. And then finally I could feel her fur on my hand and I just grabbed her, hoping it was her and not a rat or something. I just grabbed her and pulled her out of the, out of this hole in the wall into my arms. And I said, Amy, I got her. Let's go. So we thanked the girl for watching the cats. We ran out into the car with the cats and we took off down to Franklin, Tennessee, to close on the house. And we closed on it. We came back to our house here in East Nashville, the one I'm sitting in now. And our friends, uh, Scott and Nora, came by, and they helped us unload. We unloaded everything and put it into the house. That night, we set up the bed, and we were just laying there in bed. You know, just so much chaos, so much tension of the week. We're just laying there, and it's silent. And I look over at Amy, and I said, You can cry now. And just immediately, she started crying, and she was laughing and crying, and she just kind of looked over at me and said, I guess we finally live in Nashville. For the first two years we were here, it was really hard. It was difficult, because I loved Indiana, and I loved my life there, and it's just... You can't be ready for what it's like to just change everything. And I missed going to the coffee shop and seeing people that I've known for 20 years or more. I missed driving by 38th of college and seeing the old man that would stand out there and dance with the radio up to his ear, you know, waving and all the cars went by. I didn't know him, but I loved seeing him. And You get familiar with, with your neighborhood, and it was really hard to get used to a new neighborhood, And uh, whenever someone would ask me what I thought about Nashville, how I liked living here, I really, really liked it a lot, and I still do. But I felt guilty that if I said anything nice about Nashville, I would be shitting on Indianapolis. There are things that I miss dearly about my old neighborhood, about Broad Ripple. but Those things that I miss were part of a time and a place that don't exist anymore. It was people, you know, that have moved on to other things. And, you know, I very much enjoyed that time, but it was time to move on. There's been a lot of things that have happened for me, lots of uh, opportunities that I've had with my music that I've been able to capitalize on a lot of those. But none of those have had anything to do with living in Nashville. They would have all happened, I believe, if I still lived in Indiana. The only difference is so when I started to do this show, I wouldn't have been able to do that in a place like Indianapolis. I wouldn't have had access to the people that I have access to here. And having done this show, that's opened up a lot of interesting things for me to be able to be part of, things that I find you know, very fun, things that I really enjoy doing. But having said that, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression. I always have been and always will be a Hoosier at heart. I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Jesse, Tracy, Scott, Nora, and Stuart for helping us out during the move. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a T-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, You can buy one of my photographic prints. You can buy one of Amy's records. You can buy one of Amy's children's books. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours, and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe while you're there, and you'll get a brand new episode free as soon as it's available. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.